The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are at the end of June. The end of June. Because Uh, it is, indeed, June 28th. It is. The... Not only have the playoffs not started, we don't know the draft order yet. Traditionally, three days from now, free agency would start. We don't know when that's going to happen either. Uh, Free agency is going to happen, my guess is, sometime in November. Uh the draft is going to happen sometime in November. It could be the end of October. I, I, I will stretch it to there, but it's it's going to be a while. As far as the draft order, that's something that I plan on getting into because, yeah, who screwed this up this week? Uh, I do want to clean up one little thing. May as well get it done now instead of waiting until the end. Um, we missed it a couple of weeks ago. A former draft pick of San Jose. Yeah, he's played on Chicago, but he also played a little bit of time here in Boston. Tommy mm-hmm. Wingles, after 10 years, has called it a career. I just wanted to say thank you for his time. I mean, I enjoyed watching him. He was a physical player, could put the puck in the net. He was more of a fan-friendly guy wherever he was. I think the fans kind of latched on to him because of his style of play. He was never a guy that was like scoring 40 goals a season, and that wasn't his role. That wasn't what was expected of him, I don't believe. Uh, He played 448 games in the NHL, uh, 337 of them with San Jose. He's 32 years old, and he's ready ready and eager to return to his hometown and to start a new chapter in his life. Good for him. Um, Knowing when to call it quits is never easy, regardless of whether you're leaving a passion-driven occupation like hockey or, you know, you're doing something strictly for the money. Um, I I enjoyed watching him. Um, I hope he gets to... I hope he gets to do something else that he really, really enjoys for... uh, uh, for a long time. He spent the last two years of his career in Switzerland, which can't be easy when you're used to playing at NHL level of talent. Uh, not saying that Switzerland by any stretch is not talented, but there is a drop off when you're playing in the NHL to playing elsewhere. Uh, oh, a- absolutely. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, but he got to retire as an actual player versus a guy who didn't necessarily see the ice for two and a half, three years. Uh, and because of injuries, um, he spent the last two years actually playing the game might not have been where he wanted to play, but he was still, he was still a factor and, uh, knowing, Knowing your time is done is one of those horrible things that grownups are supposed to have to do. Um, you know, it's time to climb down off the monkey bars and uh, move on to something a little 
Well, yeah, no, it, and more power to him. I mean, he's done other things. He served on the advisory board of the You Can Play project. Um, it was founded. Uh, it was founded in 2012 in memory of Brendan Burke, Brian's son, who yeah. actually came out. He died in a car. He died in February 2010 car accident. After coming out to Tommy and his teammates that he was gay. Yeah. So um, it, it's something that's it's something that is close to Tommy. He's done other things. He drafted in the sixth round, 177th overall, and spent eight years in the NHL. Not bad. Not bad no. at all. <laughs> uh, no, he had a, he had a reason. He had a pretty solid career uh, based on where he was drafted and. Even over in the Swiss League, at age 32, he played 44 games this year, had 39 points. Um, that's that's nothing to cry about. I'm wondering if they've seen a whole lot like him because he is he is a physical kid. I'm not saying he's huge or he's he's not like he's not six four two thirty, but he plays physical. That's why he was liked here in Boston. Uh, they don't really play that physical in Europe, as far as I've seen in in highlights and games that I've watched. They're not hugely physical, so I'm wondering yeah, what they I'm wondering what they thought of him over there. <laughs> the whole large ice uh, gets in the way of a lot of the well fun parts of hockey. Um, this is true. Anyway, just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, congratulations on 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 all your accomplishments and. and Thank you for the entertainment and the fun and wish you well in everything you're going to do going forward. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Unfortunately, now there's more serious stuff we got to talk about. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. Because the NHL can't seem to get out of their own way. They were supposed to tell us, and I don't know if I'm dictating the pace or what, but they were supposed to tell us literally six days ago, almost a week ago. Monday the 22nd, they had announced that they were going to let us know where the hub cities were. All they've managed to do since then is eliminate hub cities for various and sundry reasons. But we still don't have any hub cities. <laughs> I, I still think and, it's just going to come down to two cities. It's going to be like Vegas and Columbus, Vegas. and. Um, but now I'm, now I'm reading that it could, they could be both in Canada. It could be Toronto and Edmonton. They're still in talks with Toronto and Edmonton. I guess Toronto. I guess the benefit of doing it all in Canada is that no one has to deal with customs. And uh, <laughs> okay. like, no, I mean, if there's going to be less exposure, um, you can get chartered flights for. Well, you can get chartered flights a whole lot easier for the you know for the winning teams, whoever emerges from wherever. And Canada is still where most of the NHL uh, is still the biggest nationality for NHL players. Um, so there's probably l the least immigration issues. I mean, if you um, want to look, if you want to look at the really kind of dark side of this, there hasn't been a Canadian team in the Stanley cup final in, I don't know, forever. Uh, were there even Canadian? Were there even Canadian teams in the playoffs last season? Um, one or two. Okay. 
I mean, Toronto was briefly there. Oh, yes, Toronto, and was it Edmonton? Edmonton was briefly there. Um, But they're not making it out of the first round anymore. By the time it's over, it's all American cities. Uh, They've eliminated Vancouver. Although I can't figure out why. Uh, From the beginning, I go to help. Excuse me? Riots. Riots, okay. Uh, although Vancouver won't be a hub city, we're still excited to see hockey start up again, said the Canucks COO, Trent Carroll. Something tells me he'd really rather be a hub city. Because <laughs> yes and no. I mean, I it it's depends be, on how risk-averse everyone is. But it's got to be good for the local economy, wherever the hub cities are. Yes, people are going to be there. Uh, they're going to be spending money on groceries. They're going to be spending money on limited entertainment. There aren't movie theaters open. There aren't stuff. I realize they're there to play hockey, but the people but who only, aren't actually it's playing. It's only going to be 600 people. That's a drop in the bucket compared to okay. I'm, the loss of you know three or four months of shutdown or even just having one NHL game that's open to – Ah, uh, the fans. Uh, the end of this article, and I'm reading from NBC Sports because it was the first one I found that didn't seem to have a slant on it. Uh, but it says there's a quote here uh, from it would appear Bill Daly. Deputy Commissioner of the NHL. Everything depends on the facts and the entire set of circumstances. But no, we do not believe that one positive test, even multiple positive tests, would necessarily shut the whole thing. So it doesn't look like they're shutting, but they're still having issues determining where to go. Bonnie Henry, the health officer in British Columbia, suggested that there was an impasse on how to handle a positive test during the tournament. She felt there likely would have to be a pause in a series for a positive test, which led Bill Daly to make his uh, make his statement that I just read. Um, and then very last thing it says here, a source told ESPN last week that there was a good chance the NHL, oh, this is from ESPN, my apologies, NBC Sports was the other story. Um Good chance the NHL would have one or both hub cities in Canada. The league intensified talks with Edmonton and Toronto on Thursday. Las Vegas has remained a speculative frontrunner for one of the hub cities, despite rising um, virus numbers in Nevada. Chicago and L.A. are also in the running because Columbus, Dallas, Pittsburgh, and Minnesota all dropped out before Vancouver's removal. Interesting. So 14... L.A. might not actually be that bad a choice. Um, it's not necessarily the city that I would pick, but it's got it's certainly equipped to have large numbers of people uh, there for almost anything. I mean, you've got multiple arenas. You've got I want to say there's at least one division, one uh, uh, college uh, down there. Um I can see it working. So are we are we down to five cities, which is L.A., Vegas, Chicago, Toronto, Edmonton? Sounds like it. I mean, it's it it 
and maybe Baker doesn't want them here, but it sounds it, it, to me it it seems a little weird that you wouldn't consider some place like Boston. Not the net. I'm not saying I'm not advocating. I'm not saying I want them want it here. I'm just saying it's odd that they wouldn't consider here where our numbers are stable or going down because here in Massachusetts and the governor said we're doing things right. I mean, as far as I've read, Massachusetts is like number one as far as lowest percentage now and and, and managing to stabilize and, and maintain the low numbers that we have because we're opening slowly and this and that. But not, I don't not know that re- it's... To not refocus just seems, I mean, they focused on these particular cities and that was going to be it and they weren't going to consider anything else. It just seems a little narrow, narrow focused to me. That's completely typical of the NHL. But (laughs) here's the thing. I don't know that it's just Baker. Um, There's also the mayor uh, and then uh, Jeremy Jacobs. And he's even more risk averse than the governor. Yeah, because when the governor started open things up in the middle of May with phase one, Marty Walsh, the mayor of Boston, still held firm to he wasn't doing anything until June 1st. So Marty's even more risk averse than Charlie Baker is. So yeah. they may not want this to be a hub city because they don't want to invite the possibility of increasing numbers. Uh, well, it's not just that. It's Jeremy Jacobs. I mean, Jacobs was the guy who didn't want – who was the – at one point, uh, the uh, Bruins were the only team not playing – paying their arena staff through the end of the season uh, – uh, through the end of the regular season based on uh, the shutdown. And I don't know that Jacobs wants to wants to deal with that level of risk. Um, I don't know how involved he is these days. I know that the team has been shifted more into Charlie's hands uh, than Jeremy's, but um, until he's uh, shuffled shuffled off the mortal coil, I can't imagine him not having his fingers in the pie. Yeah, his fingers are all over that pie. I hate to. I I mean, I I do not disagree at all. I don't. Charlie may be the whatever his title is, he, he, governor of the presidential partnership or whatever his title is now and what he's in charge of. But yeah, Jeremy is still uh, puppet master extraordinaire with the strings. <laughs> That's my opinion. Anyway, I think that Jeremy is way more involved than he would like to let on. Are there any other cities that they should be considering outside of these five, though? Um, I mean, is Chicago really seriously considered? It really depends on what factors considered? you really want to deal with. I mean, I don't think Detroit should be considered. Um, just about everyone I know from the Michigan area has had <clears throat> um, modest to serious complaints about the handling of things there. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know that necessarily the Carolinas are the best place to go putting a team. Um, I don't know how their how their building is equipped for uh, warm weather hockey. Um, That's funny. When I made that comment a few months ago, everybody told me, "Well, with all the buildings are nice and new now, and and that's not going to be a factor." You know how hot it is outside. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, it depends. Is it, it is but it, being what it is. But it all, it, there's also the question of when it was going to start. I mean, at one point we expected it to start only after a three or four week layoff. And at this point, it's been three or four months. Um, and it would be like an August start or even a July start versus they're a looking late to May. Kick in, they're looking to kick in toward the end of July, I believe. Three-week training uh, – is it a three-week training camp that they want to hold starting early July? Am I misinterpreting? Did I – I don't remember the exact plan now. I know the training camp, the official training camp was supposed to be like three weeks long or something like that. But now that's going to lead them into late July or early August, yes. Um, and I know what August is like in Boston. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, you, whether you're talking Sunrise or Tampa, I don't even want to contemplate attempting to keep ice that's not going to break the ankles of uh, half a dozen players. Uh, that was my argument in Florida. That was my argument. If you're gonna, if you want to skate on a wet pond, then just do it. No, <laughs> I mean, because at that's that what's going to be. You're gonna have water. Even, at that point, there's like not even a point in freezing it. Just throw some cold water on some plywood and call it a day. Here's a thought: drain out all the water. Switch out the ice skates for rollerblades, and let's go. <laughs> I mean, the solution might actually be to go with an artificial surface, like go with the pla- go with the hard plastic. Let people keep their skates, and you know, you resurface it after each. You you go with a new surface after every round. Uh, you don't have to deal with the te- you don't have to deal with the temperature at that point, or worry about it nearly as much. Um, and you don't yeah. have the transition and difficulty going from regular ice skates to um, uh, to rollerblades or roller skates. The NHL is going to want before they go go that way. They're going to want to delve into the numbers and see what the cost effectiveness of that is, as opposed to trying to keep the ice cold. Oh, I don't expect the NHL to actually change the surface to artificial. Um, particularly not where they've already changed the playoff format so heavily. That's um, true. I don't know. I just uh, when you tell everybody that you're going to have hub cities on a particular day, you're going to make an announcement, and then a week later, not only have you not made the announcement, you, you all you've done is eliminate cities. You still haven't even come close to saying, well, you know. You know, they. I don't know how. I'm assuming they let it leak. I don't know how it got out about Vegas, and now suddenly Vegas isn't because of issues and and rising numbers here and in the south and in the southwest. So it, it's we wait and see. I guess is all we can do. People are practicing. Teammates are practicing. Uh, well, some teammates are practicing. Some of them are still in Finland. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Finland. There's a guy in there's a guy from Finland that plays for the Bruins. There is? Yeah. You sure about that? I'm pretty sure. He's got a little bit of a temper sometimes. Likes to uh, throw likes to throw milk crates and 
surely you're not talking about the uh, bane of uh, the bane of milk crates. Milk crates everywhere unite and fear the man from Finland. Yes, we're talking about Tuka. <laughs> unlike most players, uh, still has not returned to his NHL team uh, for practice. But Is there a reason why? Is he fearing the... He's got a plan in place. Oh, he's got a plan in place. Okay. The guy who said that he might retire after next year has a plan in place after many, uh, many players on just about every team have already returned to the fold. Well, my understanding is that they can return and they are they are allowed to practice. Uh, are we at six or have we increased to twelve yet? I I'm, honestly I, have not checked uh, in the past couple of days. I um, thought it was. I thought we were at six. I don't. Th- I, I know the next step is to have twelve on on the ice at the same time, but I don't know that we're there yet. I want to say it's coming this week that they can go up to twelve. Sure. It's coming. Uh, but if there's no goaltender, Pratt, wait a minute. They have two goaltenders. What's you the know, other? I would be hard pressed to remember that other guy's name. Um, well, like, he doesn't get the credit he deserves around here. So, <laughs> and for for some reason, they they actually signed him to another contract uh, extension, which is weird for a guy that no one even knows who he is. Uh, well, that that would be. That would be Yaroslav Halak. Uh, entertaining thing. Saw him the, the, last week. The Nessun New England Sports Network was showing uh, best rivalry games. Uh, and they were doing Red Sox Yankees. And they were also doing Bruins Canadians. And one of the games happened to be against Yarrow in net for the Canadians. Uh, Claude Julien behind the bench for the Canadians. <laughs> It was like old home week for Bruins, but they're wearing red, white, and blue. Blue, blanc, and rouge. The blue, blanc, and rouge, yes. And somebody scored their first goal against him, and ended, then they ended up being teammates. I, I don't remember who it was now, but entertaining game. Unfortunately, Yarrow had no defense in front of him, and aging Andre Markov, uh, uh, Roman was Josh Hammer- George's there at that Roman oh. Hammerlick. Josh George's was there. Uh, Roman Hammerlick was uh, broken by the time he was. Uh, Roman Hammerlick was the original Dino, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I wouldn't go quite that far, but yeah, he was. Um, yeah, there. There's a couple of guys who were on your Red Wing squads uh, who were complete and utter Dinos. Yeah, we know how you feel about them. Okay. Uh, but it was entertaining back to watch. To Unfortunately, Yarrow had to stand on his head and still lost like three to nothing. So, And unfortunately, the guy in net at the other end was, um, yeah, the guy that's in net now and his partner, Tuka. But back to, even back then when you watched him, you could see the talent. Does he have? Is he practicing? Have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything. So I'm pretty certain he's been back for a little while. He but stayed, I he stayed here in the Boston area. At least I had read that at one point early on in the in the in the um, pause. Yeah. 
Yeah. That he had actually he and his family had actually stayed here in the Boston area. Which doesn't entire which doesn't really surprise me. Um he's been enthusiastic about being in Boston. Uh, he likes being here, yeah. He likes playing here. Uh, and, uh, who, and, and who wouldn't with an actual viable defense in front of them? <laughs> you got Chara and Brandon Carlo to shut things down. Uh, you got uh, Tory Krug to light up the lamp at the other end. Uh, you've got Connor Clifton uh, who, who will happily lay the body on anything not in a Bruins uniform. Yeah. What's not to like? <laughs> Can't think of anything. Ah. <laughs> uh, all right, we're avoiding um, the ele- we're avoiding the elephant in the room here. We are. Um and because of that, uh let's just dive into looking at the players uh um who are on who are right at that most important stage of their career. Breaking into the NHL at the NHL draft, whenever it will be held. I was going to say, first you have to have a draft, then you can break in. <laughs> I mean, we don't know when the draft is going to be, but hey. Neither do these kids. <laughs> um, so last week we mentioned we were going to take a look at uh, some prospects who are going to be somewhere in the second or third round. Um, that's always hard to determine in a draft like this. Uh, because I feel that we we know who the first two picks are going to be. There's a small chance we that, do. Yeah. You don't even know who's going to be picking in that first slot, though. Mm, I think it's it, isn't it going to be the Red Wings? Ah, uh, see, that's the elephant in the room. Maybe we should talk about the kids first. Let's talk about the kids first. So, <laughs> and uh, these are guys who I expect to go anywhere between like 25. And like 65, 70. Um, and I feel that there's a good deal of variance in this list. Um, and I put this I put this list together in no particular order um, for what the sixth, seventh year in a row. Uh, the two of us are using FC Hockey's guide um, or draft guide. And uh, I can't help recommending it uh, to anyone who's. Uh, who's interested in just getting the professional ground level view and comparison of players. Um, and we're also using McKean's hockey's, um, McKean's hockey's guide. Um, we've used them a couple of times in the past. Um, but we do also take a look at some of the other, um, some of the other draft guides, some of which are paid, some of which are not. Um, I think that both of these are worth paying for, um, and we'll talk about uh, a couple of them right away. Uh, so first guy I wanted to talk about, last year the draft was a little bit shaken up by a German being taken uh, a bit higher than a lot of people expected. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, one of the first players I stopped on and took a look at was another German. Am I saying that this is, this guy is going to climb, uh, from the low twenties, uh, where he's in most or where he is in FC hockey, uh, to be taken in the top, you know, dozen, probably not. 
Would I be hugely shocked and fall out of my chair? No. I mean, McKean's has him ranked at 17. FC Hockey has him at 29. I'm talking about John uh, John Jason Peterka, uh, 5'11", 190, left wing. Um, just looks like, and I watched, uh, I spent, you know, probably an hour watching highlights last night. Um, he played in the German league against adults last season. Um, there's also some footage of him playing, um, international hockey. Uh, it's surprising how comparatively negative the FC hockey, uh, evaluation of him is given that he's still, um, right on the, right in that, uh, bottom of the first round where they have him ranked at 29. Um, while he isn't the most skilled player on the ice, uh, Peterka is still a hard worker and utilizes his solid skating to help him help his team transition the puck effectively with speed. They, it goes on like that for most of the most of the uh, draft profile. Okay. Um, but I. I think someone is getting a legit, um, a legit player here. Uh, I really think he is going to go. I suspect he'll go somewhere between where FC has him ranked and uh, at the low end, and then um, where uh, McKean's has him. I, I just like this player. I mean, the Bruins are not necessarily in need of a left wing. Um, the Red Wings probably won't be drafting there unless it's, unless they grab him, you know, first pick, second pick of the second round. Um, uh, Fair enough. I mean, it, yeah, he's listed, he's listed at what, 40 in the forties, 41 for, uh, by FC hockey. Um, no, John 29, Jason, John Jason 29 Patekka. by FC hockey. They moved him up to 29. Wow. Yeah. In the actual draft guide. Woo. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weirdly nuanced, uh, draft profile because they're not saying anything really bad about him, but they're also not saying anything good, really like stellar. Okay. Um, uh, I, see, it's it's the uh, it's the ones like that that worry me because if they're not saying anything stellar, they're not saying anything bad. They're just kind of everybody's kind of lolling in the middle. It 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 tells me that nobody's really sure what to expect. And I and, think that's this draft overall. Uh, yeah, that's true too. Um, I just uh, after Lafreniere and Byfield. After Lafreniere and Byfield, is there a huge? I mean, is Jamie Drysdale the best defenseman in the draft? That's the other thing. Uh, from everything I've talked about, uh, everything I've read, there's like two really solid defensemen who are like complete two-way defensemen, and a bunch of other guys who are either really good <laughs> and a shutdown bunch of other guys. They're either good shutdown defensemen or they're good offensive defensemen, but there's not – I didn't see anyone else 
mentioned as a solid two-way uh, blue liner. Fair enough. Admit, and we all know that uh, defensemen take longer to develop. Um, uh, so I'm not necessarily surprised that the couple of full seasons warm. at the very loose, the very at the very least, excuse me. Uh, the reason now, why I mentioned Jason Paterka is the last rankings that FC did before they did the guide, they actually had him listed at 41. So if they moved yes. him up to 29, that's a huge jump from. Yeah. Now, here's FC hockey or rather McKean. Here's one of the uh, paragraphs from McKean's. Uh, this is the third paragraph in on their draft guide. Uh, Peterka is a dynamic uh, offensive player blessed with high-end creativity, finishing ability, and offensive instincts. As a shooter, his bread and butter is his ability to one-time pucks from the face-off dot, especially with the man advantage. He is, an excellent, he is excellent shooting from a standstill, generating significant velocity that allows him to beat goaltenders cleanly. Peterka also possesses a high-end wrist shot, which he has shown, uh, which has shown an ability to utilize well in transition. His hands are silky smooth, and he seldom loses the puck on his own accord or without great effort invested by his opponent. That clearly sounds like someone you take in the first round. Okay, um, so why are we saying that he's going to slip down to the second or third? They mentioned that he's not all that physical. Um, he's not necessarily strong. Uh, this is in McKean's as well. Um, and he played in the German uh, Adult League, which is good. But if we're ranking European Adult Leagues, even excluding the KHL, um, I don't think Germany is going to make the top three, probably not the top five. And that uh, that there is the issue. If he had gone and played in Sweden or Switzerland and played in the adult league and had similar numbers, I, I think that he might be ranked in the top, top 10. Okay. Um, if he had come to play in the OHL or the USHL and put up solid numbers, um, I think he might uh, be ranked higher um, or, you know, might be completely washed out of the first two rounds. It really is hard to say, um, but I think just what is being said about his offense and his work ethic is going to keep him from falling. Uh, I, 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 I'll be shocked if he actually is still available at 41. Fair enough. I, um, I actually went with somebody that I got to watch some video of my uh, he's ranked the last ranking I had seen before the guide. He was ranked by future considerations at 64 in this latest. They actually moved him down four slots, good, bad, or indifferent, but it didn't seem like that big a drop for me. Uh, and McKean's has him in the same place that they had him the last time I checked at 85. Uh, Central scouting had him at 43 Elite prospects had him at 67, so he's clearly, it would seem, a second-round pick most likely. Uh, 6'4", 185, 192, depending on which guide you look at. His name is Dylan Peterson. I uh, looked at him. 
what video I saw of him, we're talking strong, strong on puck possession. Couldn't get the puck away from him. He was strong on his stick. Uh, he had pretty, he had really good vision. He's patient. Uh, and the other thing that I liked about him is that he he was cognizant of what was going on in the defensive zone. Good on the back check. Uh, he had really soft hands. And the other thing is that with his size and his and his ability, he actually draws defenders to him, which opens up his line mates for easier shots on goal. Nice. Uh, my thing with him is he'd be a really good pivot on the power player in front of that net because he's tough to move with his size. Nice, nice, nice. And if he's going to be available in the second round, I'd like to see I'd like to see uh, potentially him get drafted here in Boston. It would be the only downside is that do the Bruins need another center? No, at this point, no. Not that it'll stop them from drafting one, but they really don't. And I I agree with that. I just wonder if you can't if there's not some way to take him and convert him to something else, I, convert him to a wing. I mean, he has strong cross. So if you look at the notes from FC Hockey, quick, powerful, and polished stride, strong crossovers, which help him gain speed, gain speed quickly on zone breakouts. Uh, quite dangerous off the rush as he's able to pass defensemen on the outside with speed and cut to the net thanks to his incredible strength. I mean, can we not convert him to a wing and have him coming off the wing automatically? <laughs> that sounds like it would be really, really nice. Um, De- defensively, defensively very involved and back checks. All the stuff that I saw in the video that I was able to watch, the, the, the limited number of videos, they've got, they've got it all listed here. So I don't, if I'm seeing it and I'm not a professional scout, I'm seeing the same thing they're seeing. So clearly there's something there. I just wish he wasn't a center. <laughs> yeah, given the difficulties Boston has had converting uh, the centers they draft into wingers, um, I I would rather go with a natural winger. Um, and then there's natural defensemen. I've got I've got a few defensemen on my list. Go ahead. <laughs> um, this one is uh, out of Prince Albert in the Western Hockey League. Yeah. Six two one eighty six, eleven goals, twenty nine uh, assists this season. Um, he's an impressive skater for a defenseman of his size. His hip flexibility, strong edges, and long stride give him incredible range across the ice in any direction. A beast of a player who skates among the best in the West, he shows a he showcases a raw power and finesse that allows him to be an explosive rush uh, option. Uh, while his transitions could use some work, that should be cleaned up when he adds more strength to his lower body. Um, some of you obviously know who I'm talking about. Um, that would be Caden Goulet. Uh, I watched uh, a good 20, 25 minutes of highlight reels of him. Yeah, I they got him at 25, though. There's no way he's slipping into the second round. I well, the other thing is, is he has a brother in the league, which means some team has probably gotten 
uh, a couple of inside uh, scouting reports on him and yeah. comparisons of him um, by said by his uh, elder brother. Uh, McKean's, you're right, has him at 25. No, FC Hockey has him at 25. Or FC Hockey. And, um, and McKean's guy, uh, McKean's mock draft, they have him going at 21 to the Senators. Um, That's but, all they need is another really good defenseman. But to, here's the – here's Thomas Shabbat. <laughs> he's in McKean's polarizing player. Um He's McKean's polarizing player for the uh, WHL for this year's draft. And this section in particular is really fun to read. Um, If you're going out to get a draft guide uh, and you want to know not just the upside or the downside or, but how these guides and to a certain extent, the teams narrow down um, where a player is going to land. Um, the reading the polarizing uh, player section on him is really, really fascinating. Um, the biggest limits on him appear to be his offense. Um, he doesn't present as a guy who's going to put up, you know, half a point per game in the in the NHL. Um, but if he even if he doesn't, I think he's still a top four defenseman. Um, if he does, he's clearly a top pairing guy. Um, based on what they're saying of his defense, um, he's probably a better skater with similar size to uh, to Brandon Carlo. Okay. Um, and Brandon Carlo, despite the injuries, has now got that playoff experience. He's got not only that, but he now he's playing like he he looks like he belongs. I mean, as I as I as I said in the past, you know, his first first year, and we discussed this pre-show. His first year, he he had that deer in the headlights look. And you're right, it it comes to being paired with Chara and playing against first line offensive players and. That deer in the headlights. Part of it was was nerves from being young and new, and part of it was the anxiety of playing with somebody like like Zdeno Chara. <laughs> that can be just as uh, anxiety filled situation yeah. in, inducing. Thank you, as, as you know, just being your first time in the NHL. But now you watch Brandon Carlo, and yeah, he's. He's a trusted defenseman. They expect that he's going to be able to shut down whoever and whatever's coming at him. And he just he he looks the he looks every bit what they were expecting when they drafted him. Absolutely. Um, given the polarization, this is a reason I think he might end up somewhere between thirty-one and you know, 41, 45, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when they talked about, you know, go back to the 2003 draft, Patrice Bergeron was taken at 37. They talked about him not being, you know, especially physical or, uh, they were a little bit worried about his offense and, you know, he's only been a, what, four time 30 goal scorer since then. (laughs) Um, so I'm not necessarily going to take, uh, I'm not necessarily worried about it, 
when it comes to a guy who's got the brains and the desire along with enough physical uh, enough physical gifts to to give him more advantages on on the ups on achieving the upside um but Caden Goulet he's just he's just he's a very interesting guy if he falls out of the second round um I I think there there's probably GMs who should at least have that added to the reason, list of reasons why they're fired uh, when when that happens. Okay. Uh, I looked at a couple of I've looked at a couple of defensemen. I mean, the first one I looked at clearly is going to go in the first round, and that's Jake Sanderson. Uh, he's going to North Dakota, six one one eighty five. Just all round. Really good looking. Uh, my thing is that I wanted to find kids who were further down the list that were had the potential to be available. And one that I found is actually going to be playing with Jake at North Dakota this fall. Oh, I thought Bigger. you were going to say someone else, but go ahead. Well, there's a third kid that I like, but he's dropped off a little bit, and that's Jacob Truscott. He's going to Michigan. But no, this kid plays. He's a left defenseman. Uh... Ranked uh, originally, last time I'd seen it was 57, but they've actually moved him down to 79. ISS has this kid at 21. McKean's has him at 37. No movement there. And Central Scouting has him at 42. Kid's name is Tyler Clevin. He's from Fargo, North Dakota. And Tyler is nothing but upside. They do talk about his needing to work on his foot speed, but his... Offensive abilities. He's got. He's a dangerous shot from from uh, on the on the perimeter, but he's also good enough to move the puck capably. Uh, the only thing is that he can get beaten wide. That's why they say he needs to work on his on his on his footwork. But strong defender at six four two six four and two hundred pounds. He's a a good size good size kid. Plays with confidence and poise, doesn't get frazzled with forechecking pressure. I haven't seen much video on him. Uh, he does play on the on the development team, and I, re- I I really liked what I saw out of him. Another teammate of his that I liked is Jacob Truscott. I think he's going to go a little further down. He's more the offensive. He's only six feet, hundred and seventy two. He plays more the. For the develop, national development team, he plays more the Tyler Krug, the the Tory Krug role. He's the offensive defenseman, whereas Tyler Clevin is the the kid that, even though he has offensive skills, he allows Jacob to do what he needs to do. He's the more reliable of the two defenders. So, I would go with Tyler Clevin somewhere in the second or third round. If he's still available, probably closer to second where the Bruins are going to be picking. I can live with that. I did have one other kid I wanted to talk about real quick, and I do have I do have a couple more guys, but uh, I only have one more that I really. I mean, I have a couple. I had a bunch of kids, but I only have one that I really got to do a lot of research on. So go ahead. Who's your third? Zade Wisdom. I like that name. Look at the highlight videos. 
This is absolutely a middle six guy who is going to be a fan favorite okay. somewhere. Like, what are we talking about for rankings? Where is he? Where where should I be looking on the list for his name? This is this is what's interesting about him. Mm-hmm. He's he's clearly a guy that they don't know what they're looking at, or or people aren't sure what they're looking at. Um, McKean's has him at sixty eight. FC has him at at uh, 148 and his and the rest of his rankings are all over the place too Um, it's weird when i see that because it's like which which scouts am i supposed to believe how much did the guy who ranked him at 148 see him compared to the guy who ranked him at 68 yes and of course how much do you trust either guy um, well, there's always that, yeah. I mean, we've seen at least through the first two rounds a lot of that FC hockey in the past has certainly gotten it right, uh, or certainly gotten in the right zone a lot of the time. Um, and when I say zone for the draft, I mean in for the for me it breaks down into a bunch of chunks. Um, I'm talking the first five is one zone, it, it, guys who are expected to be taken in the first five. You know, if they fall by one or two positions, okay. Um, surprising, but okay. Uh, even if they fall directly, entirely out of the five, then there's that six through 15 second chunk. Then you have the bottom half of the first round. Um, I would say that the top third of the second round is another chunk, so 10 or 12 players there. And then I think that you're getting into... Uh, the next chunk is that mm, that two bottom two thirds uh, of the second round, and then three and four. I, I really believe that that's essentially one area. Um, and then you have the fifth round is really, to me, a place where where teams take more of a gamble on players than six or seven. Um, there, it seems like guys who come out of the fifth round and make it to the NHL are it. It just they just seem a little bit different than the six or sevens or the three or fours. Um, I don't know whether it's they peaked early. Um, they just made it there through pure work ethic um, or pure athleticism, but they always seem a little bit different uh, than the other guys. And you really never hear much said about them. They exist. They play. And that's about it. But um, what I like about Wisdom, they don't—they aren't really high on his passing. Um, but I watched, admittedly, highlight videos are designed to make people look good. I watched two separate videos. Um, I listened to um, a short uh, podcast uh, with his name mentioned. Um, Goulet was mentioned in a different one. Uh, that's posted to msn.com. Um, but in tight scoring. That's well. That's what I'm reading here in in the in tight scoring. <clears throat> like me. cleaning up those pucks, standing, parking his, uh, parking himself within six feet of the net or you know three feet of the net, and just he's not making he's not kicking the puck in. He's making clean, sharp, precise stick taps 
to uh, clean up pucks all over the ice and make, and he's making short passes through traffic. My only forwards, issue is it says backwards, he's in, forehand, backhand. My only issue is it says it says here that he's not good with the puck on his stick, and that worries uh, I, me. I I really would need to see four or five games to believe that. Um, yeah, I would I would rather see video of this kid and judge for myself. But barring the fact that I don't have a video of him, at least not yet. Um, I'm sure there's one out there that somebody already sent me a link to. Uh. <laughs> but I can see this guy being absolutely adored someplace like Columbus oh, yeah, I get, or Nashville if, or Boston. If he's, phys- if he's physical enough, he's going to be loved here in Boston. Boston loves their physical players. It's not expected. It, it, it's almost an expectation that if you're coming here, you need to be physical. And um, even Bergeron is physical when he needs to be. When Bergeron wants to hit someone, they fall to the ice. I realize it's not something he does often, but it's not part of his game and doesn't need to be. But when he does get physical, I mean, he's had a few fights in his career. He's not a fighter by any stretch, and I wouldn't expect him to be. But, yeah, if this kid's going to get physical in front of the net and he's going to be another good pivot man to score, uh, whether it's on the power play or just crashing the net on a five-on-five, it says but, it says here that he's good on the, he's committed to the back check, which yes. is another thing that he'll be liked for in Boston and and I'm sure at other towns. If you're committed to actually playing defense as a forward, then that's only a bonus. I, well, he's not. The I, actually, player. another place that really might like him a lot is Minnesota. I can imagine Billy Garen say uh, seeing him available. Sometime in the second, third. He's a bi- yeah, he's round. a Billy type player. I could see that. And Garen saying, "Look, we want to build. We're taking that guy." He's a Billy type player. That would work. <laughs> um, but uh, he's going to be one of those guys who, you know, Jack or Brick use the expression. Uh, he he goes to work. Uh, he goes. He shows up with his work, work boots on. Um, really just like watch everything that I saw, um, his passing, his ability to put the puck in from in front of the net in traffic. Um, you know how we talk about, uh, Grizzlick being one of those guys who's completely silent in front of his own net, but still makes the right play a stupid, stupidly high percentage of the time. From yeah, the highlight videos, not actually not, you know, 60 minutes of gameplay. He's doing similar things in retrieving and tapping in the puck because the highlights were pretty, pretty well split between his goals and assists from in close. Um, and he made some he made some solid assist, uh, solid passes and open eyes. I really okay. do want to know what the criticism, why the criticism exists for uh, his passing overall. Or puck handling overall. But you had another player. I do. I actually have a right winger. I am am shocked to hear this. Well, so would the Bruins be because they don't like right wingers for some reason. The right Uh, wing doesn't exist. Oh, okay. That's why. I knew I was a left winger for a reason. I wasn't going to get a shot if I was a right winger. Um, 
So this kid, a local product, <clears throat> very local, hmm. uh, stands 6'2", 205, rated uh, originally 63 last uh, last rankings before the guide, 63 by FC, by future considerations. He's been bumped up to 52. Uh, McKean huh. still has him at 47. Central Scouting has him at 31, but Elite Prospects had him at 83. Uh, we'll be able to keep an eye on this kid because he's going to Northeastern North in the fall. Almost on my list. I just didn't want to keep you it. You know who I'm talking way. about. Oh, I, as I said, I he was almost Sam on my list. Sam Colangelo, step on up. See, this is a guy who I think, um, just based on what I saw and which school he's going to, uh huh, he could be taken anywhere between 20 and like 90. I took I, a shot. I took a shot. This is this is probably my highest rated kid that that uh, with the exception of, of Jake Sanderson, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, he's he leads the led the U.S. hockey USHL in plus minus. I know nobody likes the stat, but led the led it led the led it with a plus thirty two. Uh, what I've seen, he's not fast, but he's quick and he can score from anywhere on the ice. Uh he does need to work on his defense, but he has a very high hockey sense. Uh, very smart, knows where his players are, knows what's going on around him. It's just that getting back on the back check is not his strong suit, and that does bother me a little bit, which is why I think he'll drop a little bit in the draft. But just everything to watch about this kid is size he plays on the right wing his stride he's hard to knock off the puck uh i really enjoyed watching him and the fact that i'm going to be able to keep an eye on him because he's going to northeastern nice (laughs) so yeah i'd like to see him uh he has a no it says here in, in the fc he avoids contact with shiftiness and deception which at his size I, I I understand avoiding, but he, I hope he's not afraid of contact. Uh, he yeah. does a job of reading his defensemen and reacting well when they pinch. He's coming back to the blue line, but what I saw of him, he wasn't fabulous getting back. He's active on the forecheck, but he needs to work on his defensive abilities, I think, is my, my impression of him. But everything they talk about with his offensive abilities and, and – his shiftiness and his his stick handling and everything—he's going to be fun to watch. When I when I read uh, all of the commentary and both guides and looked around the net on him, um, and definitely not uh, this is not a slam on him. If we're going to take young Blake Wheeler first five years of the NHL in the NHL as the A plus version of Blake Wheeler. He's probably the the B minus C plus version of Blake Wheeler, um, and that's still a viable NHL player. I mean, you have to remember okay. Blake Wheeler went in the first five picks in his draft class. Blake Wheeler. <laughs> he's been an NHL captain. He's been an All Star. Uh, he's he's got it at least what, two thirty school two thirty goal seasons. Well, with yeah, but with him, it actually took being in the right. Boston was not utilizing him properly. They, in my opinion, that what they're asking of him is not what he was capable of. Plus, he needed to be given a little bit more time. 
Oh yeah, he really wasn't finished. He wasn't finished accepting his body by the time he made the NHL, and I mean that in the way that he, Blake Wheeler came into the league at six five. Yeah, and he was a big boy, and I think that Boston fans and and I think Boston the uh, suits higher ups were all expecting that this kid was going to be uh, physical along with whatever other, and he can be physical. But it was like that was what they wanted him to be, and it's like that's not in, that's not his game in entirety. He's not just a physical guy. He's got skills, and it just didn't seem like they ever gave him a chance to develop those skills. Oh my! Next yeah. season, at some point, Blake Wheeler will hit a thousand NHL games. Yeah, not surprised. Nine hundred and thirty-one NHL games. I mean, I knew he'd been around a while, but and remarkably healthy for a guy who plays as many minutes as he does against tough competition. Um, but yeah, he's going to hit a thousand NHL goal uh, NHL games real soon. Um, but Blake, I mean, Blake Wheeler, when he first came into the league, we, most of us remember the issues he had with offsides. I mean, it seemed like twice a period he was offside because he was ahead of the play. Um, and, I kind of wonder how much of that we, you're going to see uh, with with your guy here. I don't know, but it's going to be fun to watch him at Northeastern for a couple of years before he actually goes to the NA, before he actually goes to the AHL and then the NHL. Uh, next guy I picked is another guy who seems to be a guy who will go at the end of the second round, um, and. McKean's has him at 61. FC has him at 65. Everything I see about him says if you take him, you give him the right development course, and you just give him a couple of pushes here and there, uh, you're going to get what you want out of uh, Robbie Jarvanti, I believe is how it's pronounced. Um but he absolutely screams work in progress. Um, he, but like r- just raw physical stats. And as far as what he's done um, to date in, uh, in his career, he looks like someone who, if you give him that development time, you say to him, look, we want you where we don't spend second, third round picks on anyone uh, who are not, uh, interested in having around. Um, but you need, the, you need the development time. I, yeah. I think you're going to get what you want. 6'2", 185. One of the younger players in the draft. He's got an August uh, birth date. You know, seven, seven, eight months younger than some of the guys who are going in the, uh, in the early, earlier parts of the dra- of the round. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, where did I put him? Um, but I I think that I think this is one of those guys. If you if you if you're confident of your ability to develop him and be patient. I'm curious where they're gonna if if and when he's drafted and he most likely will be drafted. Uh, I can't see why not. And I'm reading I'm reading the McKean's piece and. They're using phrases like lack of consistency and not yet fully mature 
as he gains strength. Like you said, he's 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 one of the younger picks in the draft. Uh, he's played all in Europe. Yeah, he needs I, to. He's going to need to adapt to the North American game, which is going to be more physical. Which is going to be. I mean, it's good that he's got the six two. He's going to need to put a little bit onto that one eighty five frame, though. Just for his own health and and, and durability. <laughs> yes. Um. For me, I don't know if you want to let him play in Finland in the top league another year. I think then he bring needs him to over come to the AHL or something. He either needs to play in Canada or come to the AHL or something. I was gonna, I was actually thinking a year in college. You know, is he going can, to college somewhere? He's not committed, he committed, but I I think a lot of rosters would make room for him if he decided. Uh, if he decided he wanted to play uh, in like a Division One team. You know, if he can go to a Division One team that's got a good a good program for building players physically without uh, breaking their skills, um, I think that the short season with the higher level, uh, the higher amount of time devoted to training, um, and just pure cultural uh, ac- uh, cultural integration. Put him a year at, you know, Northeastern or BU or, you know, maybe Michigan or Colorado College, uh, someplace like that. Um, Then send him to the AHL for a year and tell him that third year out of uh, out of uh, out of your draft. This is when we expect you to start pushing for a roster spot. Your window opens then if you can come into camp after year one, after your pro year of college and make a spot or grab a spot. Fine. We don't expect it yet. Clock doesn't start on you until this point. Make all our surprises, happy ones. I think you're going to get what you want. So they're drafting this kid purely for, I mean, he's, he's not going to be somebody. He's a prospect. Oh yeah. He's a two or three year project. If you think otherwise, you're doing him and yourself a disservice. Fair enough. Anybody else? Like I said, I only had I only had a few. I didn't think we were going to have a whole show to go over prospects. I would have been like prepared with another two or three, but um, only one guy, and I, I I spent less time on him. Um, I think you probably, he, and he's the reason that I knew your last guy because he is ranked right next to him, um, <laughs> in, uh, one of the books, um, 31 in McKean's 51 in FC. Yeah. Um, Ty Smolanic. Ty Smolanic. Yep. Just above Sam Colangelo in the, in FC hockey's rankings. Uh, not quite as big as far as I can tell. And he plays on the opposite side. Uh, yep. He's on the development team, six one one seventy five kid. Yes, the. What I think do I need injuries, to know about Ty? Well, I think the injuries are the reason he's gonna be taken sometime, pick thirty two or later. Um, the high ankle sprain is going to scare the poop out of most general managers. Um, <clears throat> but he's he's one of those guys who just seems to have the right tools for somebody to take a early chance on him. Um, I mean, we've, we've watched, we've watched more than enough hockey and spent more than enough time uh, studying the, 
uh, the draft guides, the draft results, and doing our own redrafts to know that um, every pick at the draft is a is a um, it's a risk. Um, McKean's mock draft has him actually going at number forty four uh, to the Carolina Hurricanes, um, which is an interesting pick. Um, okay. In the past, they've been more patient um, and let people develop. Um, he's committed to Quinnipiac, which I think if you're willing to let your players develop uh, at their pace, probably uh, that's another good school uh, to send them to. Um, they've competed for, and I believe even won national championships in the past decade. Um, so, you know, it's a solid program. There's going to be other guys on the ice pushing him for ice time. Um, yeah. Anything, anything that stands, anything that stands out about this kid? Yeah. Uh, here's what McKean says about him. Uh, second paragraph. Uh, and this is important because of the injuries. Uh, the other one was, I believe a thumb injury on a per game basis. Only three, U under 18 or U 18 teammates outscored, uh, Ty, uh, this season. Um, but we should also remember the missed approximately one third of the season. Um, wow. Mono high ankle sprain and a broken finger all in one year. Uh, let's hope that that's a full year of, um, but that's a couple of years worth of uh, time missed. Um, they don't appear to be worried about um, any any sort of chronic injuries. Uh, that's Ryan Wagman writing for uh, for McKean's. Um, I saw a few highlights of him. He seems like a guy who's going to do who's just going to arrive in the league at some point and be and be a guy who's comfortably on the roster. Um, you're you're going to look at him and whether they slot him into a second line, slot him into a third line um, and say, yeah, I, I like that guy there um, at 175 and six one. He's not particularly beefy, um, but at 17 and change, he's not really expected to be. Um, they think he, they think there's another gear waiting for him or FC hockey does. Uh, and they, uh, FC also says he has excellent puck control and high end vision, which allows him to make plays at high speed. Um, uh, they talk about his quick release and accurate, accurate wrist, wrist shot. And please note that McKean, uh, that FC hockey has him rated lower and is still kind of gushing about him. I think they believe that the injuries are going to hurt him more. Um, it's worth noting that uh, McKean's mock draft has them has him taken almost exactly between the two, um, and uh, well, a little bit closer to the bottom. Uh, but I think it's I think he's one of, he's one of those players who you know if your team takes him, follow his development. I think you'll be pleasantly sir pleasantly entertained. I do have one more, but I didn't do a whole lot of research on him, so I kind of didn't want to bring him up, but we both recognize this name. And um, he's, he's a right winger. 
He's oh. got he's he's low number. He's low rankings in all of the draft guides. Ninety four by McKean's, one hundred six by Future Considerations. Hundred and he's ranked one hundred and two at National uh, NHL Central Scouting. Committed to Notre Dame in the fall. Uh, but uh, this gentleman's name, first name Ryder. It would be Ryder Ralston. And all the things that I've read about him and all the things that I have seen, which isn't much, he's got the defensive intensity like his dad. His dad, Brian Ralston, when he played here in Boston, fabulous two-way player, uh, especially uh, scored scored shorthanded goals, uh, was phenomenal on, on, on the penalty kill. Uh, what I read and what I see about this kid uh, – is that he's fabulous defensively as well. And it even says, like his father, Brian, Ryder is a fantastic skater with a heavy shot, promising two-way game. No kidding. Uh, He's not, he's fast. His numbers don't bear out that he's like a huge goal scorer. They're almost like he's just as good with the stick on his, with the puck on his stick passing as he is scoring but neither one of them is like off the charts. He, in his last in his last season with Waterloo in the U.S. Hockey League, forty-two games, he had sixteen goals, seventeen assists, thirty-three points, only twelve penalty minutes. He is a late birthday, uh, a late birthday kid. He's a he's an October one, so he's at or early, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, if he's not, he's. Early compared to the O2 birthdays, like uh, like you're saying about looks Scott like he would have just just missed last year's draft uh, cut yeah, off. Yeah, I think that's how they're wording it. They're saying he's a late birthday member. Oh yeah, of the 2019 development group. Okay, I want to see more of him, but what I have seen of him definitely piques my interest, and the fact that he's got the 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 name the 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, the he's got the line. NHL bloodlines. Yeah, which... the bloodline. That's the word I'm looking for. He just if he plays like his dad, I'd be happy to see him in a Boston uniform and see the name Ralston on the back of a spoke B again. Where where are you actually expecting him to be drafted though? <laughs> Honestly, with his rankings and with his rankings, I would expect him to be going somewhere in the second, maybe early third round. Do you think that uh, there's any chance that um, he's going to move up Minnesota into the first? Him up? Uh, not necessarily first, but you think Minnesota picks him up? Uh, uh, Garen and Ralston were here at the same time. Yeah, that I, I I keep forgetting about the Garen connection. Yeah, that is a possibility that Billy's going to be looking at this kid. He might not be around. Okay, I can see that. Um, from the draft, uh, we also have to talk about the other end of the career. Hmm. Um, this week there was the Hockey Hall of Fame induction uh, for the 2020 class. Hey, a Bruin is getting inducted again. Mm, technically, I believe there's well, there's at least one. Yes. Um, 
<laughs> Only a part-time Bruin, though, so oh, okay. not that exciting. Um, so the guys who were nominated, um, uh, right away there was uh, Jerome Ginla, um, Marian Hosa, Patrick Elias in his second year. The first, the other two were in their first. Sergey Gonchar in his third year. Uh, Daniel Albertson. How long? I don't even remember him being in Boston. Sergey Gonchar. He was here. He was here. What? Two years, maybe. Two seasons, I believe. Yeah. He was counts. here. He was. Um, he, he was the. He was another. He was another strong offensive defenseman. He just had better defensive skills than most of the offensive defensemen nowadays. Like you know, I don't know Brent Burns or or Eric Carlson or <laughs> Sergey Gonchar actually had some defensive abilities. Uh, I'd probably compare him uh if there was somebody it would be like an eric carlson eric has improved his defensive abilities since his uh beginning early his yeah. early career yes uh gonchar has first four years in the league were disgraced to defensemen everywhere i'm not going to say that gonchar is the shutdown defenseman that is drew doughty or ray bork or or uh, but he's certainly not the other end of the spectrum, which would be the Brent Burns, Chris Letangs. Uh, um, Daniel Alfredson, uh, this was his fourth year of eligibility. Wow. Rod Brindamore, this was his, this was his eighth year. Is Rod not in because he's still active, though? I mean, it, it, I well, understand no, that no, they— no, this is as a player. Um, Jeremy Roenick, this was his ninth year. And before we even get to who got in, I didn't expect him to make it. Cujo, Curtis Joseph, 454 wins, more than Hall of Famers, Terry Sawchuk, Jax Plant, Terry Esposito, Glenn Hall, Grant Fuhr, and Dominic Hasek was in his ninth year. And uh, Cujo was there's, a really good goaltender. He played for some uh, interesting teams, but Cujo um, himself, Pierre very good gone. goaltender. Pierre Turgeron, this was his uh, 10th year. Okay. Alexander McGillney, his 12th. Theo Fleury, his 12th. Kevin Lowe, his 20th year of el- of eligibility. Doug Wilson, his 25th year. Boris uh, Mikhailov. Boris Mikhailov. He played on the Russian national team in 1980. year of eligibility. Um. <clears throat> Uh, at some point, um, wow, 37 years of not getting in. <laughs> Boris Mikhailov. That's, that's Boris legitimately Mikhailov. longer than probably most of our our listeners have watched hockey, <laughs> much less been alive. You got to figure if, if if anybody's familiar with the movie Miracle, you watch, then you've seen – at least an actor portraying Boris Mikhailov because he was playing for the Russians on the 1980 Olympic team. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know that he ever played a day in the NHL. Uh, Which probably hurts him. <laughs> yeah. But uh, skills wise, he was one of their top, top centers. 
Mental. Thirty-seven years. I'm just wondering. They don't have a shutoff point like like baseball does. Baseball. If you don't get in after so many years, you get shut out, and then you have to wait until the veterans committee puts you in. Like when you hit like sixty or seventy years old or something like that. <laughs> um, I, I would that- have to really look at the Hall of Fame eligibility. I don't. I don't worry about it as much. Realistically. Almost every player on the list is <clears throat> irrelevant to current play by the time they're Hockey Hall of Fame eligible. Yeah. Um, even recent uh, league retirees like uh, Aginla and Hosa, yeah, they're they're just not there anymore. Patrick Elias, not there anymore. Um, when you saw the list of nominees, uh, before, uh, before the decisions were made, was there anyone who stuck out to you as someone who you really couldn't fathom them not making it this year or couldn't fathom why they're still on the list? Why they're still on the list and haven't gotten in yet? Yeah. I mean, is Daniel Alfredson a guy who you think should already have been in the, the thing NHL with Daniel, of Fame? The thing with Daniel Alfredson is I didn't I, – people say that it's a no-brainer that he should be in the Hall of Fame. I I don't see it. To me, Daniel Alfredson was a, a really, really top-notch goal scorer, but that was it. I didn't see the full hundred, you know, 200-foot game out of him. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't think I am. I just see, didn't for me, see him as a Hall of Famer. Uh, for me, just because he was the most consistently above average player in his city and a really good guy for the media and the fans, that to me is not Hall of Fame material. Thank you. Um, I like Daniel Alfredson. I think that he did as much in his way for Ottawa as Shane Doan did for Arizona. Um, the, the Coyotes. Um, I'm not 100% sure that, you, that that puts them into the Hall of Fame as players. Like both guys, would have been happy to see them on a lot of NHL teams. Um, they had, they have enormous respect from more than just me. Uh, now I'm the one thing I'm not shocked about is even though the one thing, not the one glaring thing, not on this guy's resume is the fact that he's never won a Stanley cup, but I am not surprised that again, is a first ballot. No, as a guy going in Jerome McGinley. This guy was phenomenal. I mean, his years with Calgary and how how deeply affected that fan base was when he left to go to, unfortunately, Pittsburgh first and then come to Boston. Uh, choosing Pittsburgh over Boston was hard enough, but how much an effect he had on that fan base when he left. They were devastated. I'm not saying that he drove the team down. Or I'm just saying the fan base in general. It, it, you could see the sadness. It was 
you could feel it. It, it. The guy was there for so long. He'd done everything there for so long, and he was. I mean, he had two 50 goal seasons, passed the 40 goal mark four times. I mean, this guy was the epitome of Calgary of hockey in Calgary. He, he was physical. He's physical. He could throw down. He played. He played the 200 foot game. I mean, this. He trained like a fiend. <laughs> I, I mean, it was. He was the total package. Yes. And let's not. I mean, people will say, "Oh, but he never won. He never won the rocket by himself. He shared it. Every every person he shared it with had better centers their entire career than Jerome McGinley did. Their entire career." Jerome McGinley legitimately made himself that good. He and he was he was never, a winner at every, he was a winner at every level. He he won the Memorial Cup twice with Kamloops. Yep. He's won gold with the Canadian national team. Yep. He's the only thing he doesn't have is a Stanley Cup, and that is heartbreaking that he doesn't have one because if there's ever a guy that deserves one it's him (laughs) like there there's like one or two players any given generation who simply by being not just an awesome player but a well regarded man should almost be granted a cup the hall of fame is nothing to sneer at it's not quite as good as a cup but this is one of those guys. I agree. This is one of those guys who was, quite frankly, the best. One of the best wings of his for most of his career, most of his time in the NHL. Not the best. One of the best right wings. One of the best wings. Um, I I don't know that. Um, I don't know that we're going to see a guy like him anytime soon. I don't think so. I mean, the combination of, of skill, power. I mean, it, it, he was a true power forward. Yes, uh, that word gets th- that phrase gets thrown around a lot right now. I'm not sure I could name five power forwards in the NHL today. Five would be difficult. There are a couple that I could think of, but five would be difficult. Um, particularly not if you can if you confine it to guys playing in their team's top six. That would be even more difficult. <laughs> yeah. What the one that the one that came to mind is the one that played here in Boston, obviously. Luch, early in his career, before oh, yeah, he, he was, was the dealt away, he was two, the powerful in the end. But yeah, if Ginla was, it, he just. Everything he did, he did right. He did well. Uh, and he on was, and off the ice, he, there was never any issues with him. I mean, 200 he, foot player who did it all. Yeah, this guy. If he was, if he didn't get in first ballot, I would have found my way to the hockey hall of fame and been banging on the door. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you people? Now, the one that surprise that surprises me. I know New Jersey fans love him. Patrick Elias. It's tough because he got he's he did he a lot consistently for that. Well above average contributor. Yeah, and 
one Stanley. He's won at least one Stanley Cup with it with New two. Jersey. He's got uh, two. Two thousand okay. and two thousand three. Yeah. Never won an individual award. Which so is no Rockets, no Selkies, no Hearts. Um, which is going to hurt him in his case to get in. He had two. Uh, let's see. He had one forty goal season, a thirty five goal season, um, a thirty one goal season. Uh, I mean, he finished. He finished his career with twelve hundred and forty games, four hundred and eight goals. 617 assists and uh, 10 or and 1,025 total points, 125 total playoff points. Um, I okay. Here's here's a measuring stick that I use, and it's not the only measuring stick I use. Was there ever a time in Patrick Elias's career where you looked at him and said? That's the best player in the league. Unfortunately, no, I have not. He played. Did he? Was he not teammates with Kobolchuk? Um. Yeah, he would have been there uh, with Kobolchuk because he. I mean, he was a devil his entire career. Mm-hmm. He he played from nineteen. His first game was the ninety five ninety six season. Um. One game. All the way through the 2015-2016 season, where he played just 16 goal games. Um, when when I watched when I watched Bruins play the Devils, or if I was watching back in the day, it wasn't it, pre NBCSN. It was it was versus the versus network. Yep. Uh, but whenever you got to see a, a Devils game or whatever. I never thought of him as the best player in the NBA, but I always worried about him as being the guy that was going to beat whoever they were playing. He he was the guy who seemed to have the puck on his stick, score the goal that gave them the lead. Uh, he was the reliable one, but no, never thought of him as the best in the league or or, or even the top. best in his position. But he would no. But he was the reliable guy that scared me. When we when the Bruins would play the Devils, he worried me more than. I mean, well, Kovalchuk obviously worried me when he played there. But Eliash always seemed to be that guy that okay, if he got the puck on his stick late, somebody got to stop him. Somebody get the puck away from him. Do something, you know. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he should be a Hall of Famer. No, I mean I wouldn't. I don't say no to him being in the Hall of Fame like I would to some guys. Mm-hmm. Like I, especially this year with his <clears throat> bout of controversy, I'm really not surprised that Ronick didn't make it in. Um, yeah, he brought that one on himself. I don't think that what he said is ridiculously out of place. I I don't think it was either. But I, I'm not necessarily surprised that the NHL and various TV networks went all flappy over it. This is someone who he hangs out with all the time. If they didn't want to hang around with him uh, away from work, they would have said something. Yes. They would have stopped hanging around with him. It's just that simple. Um, but... Hosa and Aginla both made it in on their first uh, entry. Hosa was a little bit surprising. I mean, yeah, he had the playoff success, 
but it felt like he was, even though he scored some big goals on those playoff uh, runs, those cup runs, did you ever think of him as one of the top two forwards on that team? <laughs> no. Or one of the top five skaters? No. Maybe? No. I would get, I would say top five skaters because, I mean, you obviously had Kane and Taze and then... Well, that's uh, why when you said that you think of him as one of the top two, I'm like, no. Because <laughs> you got Captain Serious and yeah. Patrick Kane. And the party boy. Yeah. And the party boy. And, yeah, if you think that Marion Host is better than one of those two guys... Uh, and... And let's face it, I, Hosa toiled for a long time in Atlanta, uh, and then he was on three teams in three different cities before landing in Chicago. Because uh, didn't he go from I believe Atlanta he was in Colorado to Pittsburgh? Was he not I in thought Colorado? He went from Atlanta to Pittsburgh. I would really have to. I'm going to have to look him up to figure out. Uh, I've got it. Okay. Um. Yeah. He went from Atlanta to Pittsburgh. Uh, he was only in Pittsburgh for 12 games. He played the next season for Detroit. Um, That's and right. Then he was a Detroit boy for a short time. One season and one 23-game playoff run. Um, and then finished his career with Chicago. Um, 1,309 NHL games. Was there another Hosa? Marcel. Maybe he's the one that played. I thought there was a Hosa that played for Colorado. Uh, Marcel Hosa, his uh, two years younger brother, um, Montreal, the Rangers, and um, the Yotes. Is there another H guy? Who am I thinking of? I know who I'm thinking of. Never mind. It's Have not what? Hosa. You're right. Uh, Martin, usually, yeah. Martin, Martin Havlat uh, was one of them, or, and the other one is Milan Heyduk. Oh, okay. I was thinking you were thinking Hansel, but okay. No, Martin Hansel never played for Colorado. It was Milan. Oh, Hader. and Jan Hader. Yeah, but Jan Hader's a defenseman. Um, <laughs> where were we? Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of excited to talk about Kim St. Pierre though, because this Go. is a this. Well, this woman deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Have you seen? The gold that she's won in her career. Uh, it's enough to drown someone with. <laughs> yeah. Don't put all this around your neck at once, boys and girls. Uh, she got three gold medals from the Olympics, five gold medals from World Championships, and one from the Four Nations Cup. Can like, uh, she even stand <laughs> with all of that on? She's played in net 83 times for Canada, of which they won 64, and 29 of them were shutouts. Uh, <laughs> 29 shutouts in 83 games is utterly flipping mad. She earned best goalie honors at the 2002 Olympics, 2001 championships, 2004 championships. Um, she's also won the Clarkson Cup twice with the Montreal Stars of the Canadian Women's Hockey League. Yep. And was named the league's top goaltender two seasons in a row. Uh, I'm good with your this woman being. I'm good with this 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 player being in the Hall of Fame. She is fabulous. I love goaltenders. I talk about goaltenders whenever I can. This is outstanding work. 
Yeah, I there's really nothing you can complain about for Kim St. Pierre being added. Um it's almost like standing. Duh. <laughs> yeah, how do you first of all, how do you stand up with all the gold hanging around your neck? Okay, that's one thing. Don't like I said, don't wear it all at once, boys and girls, because <laughs> but damn those numbers. I yeah. 29 shutouts in 83 games. 29 and and, and we're not well, talking all, 29 shutouts in 83 games at a college level or a high school level. That's we're talking 80, the flipping Olympics and national and, and international tournaments. Yeah, that's 83 international appearances. 80, 83 times for Canada. So we're not yes, we're not talking college, high school. We're talking top level talent around the world and she's got 29 shoutouts top level talent around the world who knows who you are and has had a chance to scout you and still can't beat you <laughs> 29 out of 83 there's well, the mean, fact is the fact is she's only lost 19 times 19 yeah in 83 in 83 83 appearances for the for the Canadian national team. She's won 64 of them. She's lost 19. <laughs> and then just winning two championships uh, in the women's in women's professional hockey. No big deal on top of all of the other stuff. Oh, this woman definitely belongs. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it doesn't say she's first ballot, though, which means that she's been on there before and hasn't gotten in. I'm not 100% sure on that. I would have to double check. That one I'm going to have to look up. But This is the type of woman that you name a trophy after? Pretty close to it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what else could she have done? Had a couple of hat tricks in there as a goaltender? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> Does she have a 990 save percentage? Does she <laughs> Nope. Uh, no. Oh, okay. Uh, we can't let her in. She, did, she can't. She can't get in. We can't let her in. She doesn't have a 990. Okay. I mean, yeah. I don't know what else she would have to do. If you're going to win top goaltender in in the Canadian Ho- Canadian Women's Hockey League in a row, two years in a row, you won the championship of your league twice in a row. Uh, at least I'm assuming that that's what the Clarkson Cup is. I have not looked it up, but it. it I just, yeah, there's not much else you can do in there. Uh, save 20 kids off a burning bus, maybe? I don't know. No idea. Um, Doug Wilson made it in. Um, definitely a more defensive-oriented defenseman. 237 goals, 827 points in his career. Um, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry, wrong person. Uh, right well, numbers, but... That's Doug but, Wilson. Uh, not necessarily as defensive that line as I was thinking. Doug but, Wilson. you know, eight-time All-Star. Won no a Norris Trophy. Won a Norris Trophy. Um, Canadian gold. I like the way the fact that they in, in the article I'm reading, they, they, they purposely put this phrase in there. So I, I'm guessing they're trying to – categorize what he is and isn't. I don't know, because it says he played during an era dominated by Paul Coffey and Ray Bork. Yep. (laughs) 
Uh, I believe that's the NBC Sports article. Yes. Uh, Here's the the kicker for him. Everything needs to be qualified as he played during this during this era. So uh, it's almost like yeah, it's almost like this is what to expect when looking at at him because you're going to see these guys. You can (laughs) here's here's the amusing uh, finalizer for it. Here's the complete list of players, uh, and this is this is them quoting Sean uh, McIndoe of The Athletic. Here's the complete list of players who both won a Norris Trophy and finished in the top 25 all-time in defenseman scoring um, and haven't been inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson, and that is it. And that's it. <laughs> and that has been amended. It's good He's to cool. know that they. It's good to know they fixed that little hole. That you know they've tidied up that little buttonhole so that nothing else is going to escape. <laughs> and in cases like that, it really is a slam dunk. Um, you can make arguments for or against Aginla or for or against Elias. Um, I, I think your arguments against Aginla start and end with him not having won a cup, but I also don't care. Um. Kevin yeah. Lowe is a little bit tougher. No, not for ending. Yes, I don't care that Doug, that Aginla didn't win a cup. The guy belongs. Sorry. Yes, Kevin Lowe. Uh, six Stanley Cup wins. Uh, again, six, was five he with Edmonton. Three or four best players on the ice during those championships. The teams that he was on in Edmonton. I mean, is is this is this sort of a, a riding? They the were all star teams that happened to play together have, the full season. You have Gretzky, Messier, Yari Curry, uh, defenseman. I mean, they had uh, you had Grant Fuhr and Net. You had uh, wasn't Svoboda there at one point? Uh, Peter Svoboda was there. Uh the the talent that was on those teams, and I'm not saying that Kevin Lowe isn't talented. I'm not saying that at all. I yes, just yes, you are. No, I'm not really. I'm just saying that. How do you differentiate which players on a team like that do or don't deserve? They all won the Stanley Cup together. Yeah, but go back they to all my won question. Five of them together. Was he? among the four best forwards on that team, on those teams? My answer is no. Well, no, because he's a defenseman, so. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Was he among <laughs> the five best, was he among the five best skaters? Best skaters? I don't believe so, no. No. Um, longevity is great. Uh, I will never argue against longevity because it takes not just good genes uh, but you have to want it. Yeah. When you stop wanting anything as passion-driven as hockey, you don't get it. <laughs> you might get one more season of not wanting it, but you're pr- you might even get two if you've got a contract. But three, no, someone's cotton bait. <laughs> yeah, I would I would be inclined to agree. Yeah, I, I mean the fact that he went on and and he was. I don't know how much older he was. He went on to because he was with Messier in '94 when they won the Stanley Cup in in New York, 
and it was their first one in what 50 some odd years 54 years something like that uh, it says it says here that he served as a builder with the Oilers I'm thinking when he was with the Rangers he was more that uh, he was that guy that, that could give the younger guys advice and how to deal with it he was definitely playoff experience uh, it, it was the uh, that was the meat and potatoes of what he was there for I, I I'm not sure that he was playing top tier minutes when he was with the Rangers, but his playoff experience, I mean, having won all those cups, yes, they got Messier up front and he's going to help with the forwards. But as far as the defenseman that they had, he was the guy that could tell them this is what it takes. This is how it's going to feel. This is how much effort you need to give, you know, come on guys, you know, five more minutes, whatever. He's the guy that's going to drive them. I just don't, I don't know that he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, no offense. I, the guy was a talented player, but I just don't know that he's Hall of Fame caliber. And it's definitely not his first time around. How many years did he wait to get in? I mean, is that another reason why they finally voted him in? Because they he he's waited his time. He's, he's paid his dues. I hate that. There's an argument I hate. I don't like it either, but I think that it's utilized more frequently than we like to believe. Um, I, in a lot of cases, I would probably rather put Cujo in uh, than Pierre, uh, than him. I mean, Theo Flory didn't make it in. He's been, uh, he's been waiting 20 years. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. This was Kevin Lowe's 20th year of eligibility. If you can't be voted in 19 times, if you fail 19 times, getting gifted it on your 20th try, although this is Doug Wilson's 25th year, too. So, But that's why baseball I can make a better a, argument a for Wilson than for Lowe. That's why baseball is a cutoff. If you can't get more than so many percent, I think it, I want to say it's like 25 or 50. If you can't get so many percent of the vote after – you have you have like five or six years or whatever it is after your eligibility, maybe 10 years, something like that. If you can't get a certain percent of the vote, you're dropped off the list and then you have to wait until like 25 or some odd years later when the Veterans Committee can vote to put you in that way. So, yes, you can still get in, but it's not by vote of writers and, and people that have seen you play and everything else. It's veterans of the sport that think you deserve to get in at that point. Um, I, I, if you're asking me and I know I just made the votes, uh, I, I know I just talked against him making it. I would rather, I would rather have put Elias in than, than him. <laughs> I think they got it right with the first three. Uh, I think Doug Wilson is a, a good fourth. I'm not sold on Kevin Lowe. No, I, 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 I just would not have voted in Kevin Lowe. It's that simple. And Ken Holland. Uh, Ken Holland, gen- I'll give his, it to him. His GM work with the with the Red Wings, I'll give it to him. Yeah, I mean he did. He he effectively modernized hockey scout or scouting and took it from 
a, a couple of guys with, you know, uh, sweat stained and coffee stained paper pads to hard systems. How many people um, were scouting Russians in all Russians, seriousness? Czechs, yeah. How many people were scouting? How many people were scouting Western, Eastern Europe? <laughs> you know, seriously. I mean, I mean puts together you look at the some Russian of the guys pie. they got in late, in middle, in middle and late rounds. Yeah. Um, uh, that that alone is something. Uh, to thank not just him, uh, but the organization for, because uh, some that that pay certainly wasn't coming out of Ken Holland's pocket. Nope. So yeah, I could see Ken. I guess the only one I really do have trouble with is is Kevin Lowe. And it's not that I don't like him. It's not that I don't like his game or didn't like his. He, he was a good hockey player. I just didn't see him as a Hall of Famer. I I don't know that. Uh, uh, I don't hate it. I just don't understand it. Okay. Um, so we'll probably talk a few, a little bit more about some more potential draft picks uh, next week. That'll be um, fun. And, and we can delve into uh, everybody out there. Ask yourselves the question, did they screw up the draft lottery? But I'll give you the answer now. Yes. <laughs> uh, and he's only saying that because the garbage uh, league, uh, the garbage team of the league, did not end up with a top three pick. Um, oh, for those okay, fine, be like that. <laughs> phase one of phase of who knows how many phases of NHL dra- draft lottery means that one of the teams who will fail in the first round of the playoff play-in. Um, we'll end up with that first pick. Um, the LA Kings will draft second and the Ottawa Senators will draft third. Um, we can delve into this next week. This means there will actually be a good hockey player under the age of 28 in California next year who is not Evander Kane. Rejoice, uh, hockey fans. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. As always, um, share the show with your friends. Um, When your colleagues are asking you for something to do uh, or something to listen to because they're still working remote and they're sick of listening to the radio, uh, pass them the link through your office messenger, whether it's Slack or Skype or Teams, and uh, brighten their day a little bit. Chris, anything else? No, we covered a lot of ground today. I'm pretty happy with where we're at. Uh, Like I said, more prospects next week, and maybe I'll even come up with a couple of goaltenders, and we can delve into the debacle that was the uh, draft lottery. Oh, that should be a fun conversation. Uh, Everyone, uh, I'll I'll try and put together a Chris uh, is attempting not to scream bingo card. Take care.